You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat SIU Edwardsville 83-60 to uh, in a game where that final score really is not indicative of how much Indiana controlled this game. Uh, it was a sloppy final eight minutes there for the Hoosiers as they rested all of the starters, uh, but a really, really solid performance from Indiana. Uh, a game that started out a little bit shaky, as uh, as you might expect that it would, coming off that big North Carolina win. But the Hoosiers really played well uh, for the rest of the first half after a shaky first few minutes. Uh, and we're going to break it all down for you on this episode of the Assembly Call. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined tonight by Andy Bottoms. Ryan has the night off. Uh, so we'll be sure to uh, make several comments behind his back since he's not here to uh, to defend himself. Uh, but let's start out, as we always do, with our banner moments. Uh, and for me... The banner moment tonight came in the first half. Uh, there was a moment, uh, you may remember, uh, where Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis played together. And they actually got a few runs together uh, in tonight's game. Uh, as obviously Indiana was without OG Ananobi, so there was more opportunity for, for Deron Davis to get in there as Indiana's big man depth wasn't quite what it normally is. Uh, and there was, there was a possession where, and we've seen this before, with Bryant and Davis playing a two-man game out on one side of the court. And Bryant had the ball uh, out. Uh, Davis was posting inside. Bryant gave him a feed. Davis didn't have great position, so he threw the ball back out to Bryant. And Bryant was open enough. He could have taken a shot. And, and you could tell the SIU Edwardsville guy wasn't quite sure. You know, do I go out and defend Bryant because I know he can shoot? You know, do I need to, to stay back because he's done a good job driving into the lane? And meanwhile, Deron Davis is reposting, getting great position. And Bryant calmly... Dumped the ball right back into him. Davis took a couple of dribbles, turned around, made a beautiful little turnaround jump hook. And to me, it was just indicative of the the, the incredible talent that this Indiana team has. And, and, and I think how effective that two-man game can be when you get those two guys on the floor on the same side. Because Bryant has shown enough now. You know, He already made his 6-3 today, uh, but he's shown enough now with his multi- varied game, his multi-skilled game, that you have to respect that. And then with Deron Davis's ability to use that big wide base of his to get position and then to be patient enough to not force it, give it back to Bryant, and then repost and get position, I just thought it was a really fundamentally sound play in a game where it can be easy to kind of get sloppy and rush things. I was really impressed with that play, just the patience of it, the skill that it showed, and the fact that Indiana has that ability and can do things like that. Uh, those are the kind of things that you have to do in, in an, an NCAA tournament run to win a national championship. And so that, to me, was really encouraging to see those two guys playing so well together uh, out there on the court. Uh, so that is our Who's Your Proud banner moments. And, uh, of course, tonight's banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Who's Your Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. 
Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, let's move the ball, get some opening thoughts from Andy Bottoms. His Bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, I think two things uh, stuck out for me tonight. One was, you know, you talked a little bit about the struggles in the beginning of the game. I thought it was mostly just not hitting shots. It wasn't really... If you contrast this to some of the other games against lesser competition when they didn't look all that sharp or all that focused, I didn't feel like that was the issue tonight. And I think that was one of the things that we really wanted to see coming off that North Carolina game where in that game it looked like they learned something from the loss to Fort Wayne. Um, Would they learn something from the success that they had? And I thought they did. I thought overall in the first half they played well. They just didn't make shots at the beginning, but uh, gradually pulled away. The other thing... You know, we, we see sometimes in games like this that it, it's easy to fall in love with a three. You feel like you can kind of shoot the ball from wherever you want. Uh, certainly many of us have lamented IU not getting the ball inside very much. And the combination uh, tonight of Juwan Morgan, Thomas Bryant, and Deron Davis combined for 43 points and 18 rebounds. And and I think that's obviously a great sign on a number of fronts. Not a great sign for us based on Ryan's bold prediction on the radio show today. But otherwise, a really good sign for uh, for IU going forward. I thought they really did make a more concerted effort to get the ball inside. Um, Bryant struggled to finish around the rim a little bit, but you know you mentioned one of uh, Deron Davis's moves. I thought he continues to do a good job of establishing position. You know Morgan more off the dribble, um, but a lot of those you know came off of putbacks and things like that. So I think it, it was good to see. IU came into a game with a clear advantage, had a plan to take advantage of it, and executed that. And, and I think there have been times when we have looked at the opposing roster and looked at the matchups and felt like there was something there and maybe didn't get as much out of it as you'd like to. So I thought tonight they really uh, seemed to pick up that focus, and, and I thought those were, you know, that and the, the overall focus at the beginning of the game and intensity they came out with were, were both good signs. Yeah, you know, Brian, only three of 11 from the field. And that's, I mean, clearly that's one of his worst games from the field as a Hoosier because we know how good his field goal percentage is. And I actually thought he came out early in the game and really struggled. Uh, just, you know, was a little bit hesitant when he got the ball in the post, got blocked a couple of times. And so he actually, I think he was one of the first Hoosiers to go to the bench. But when he came back in, I thought really, really played well for about a four or five minute stretch there. where He was really active, got his hands on some balls. I think he had a steal or two. Uh, he had three block shots for the game. And, and he showed, you know, his his skill. We talked about the pass into Deron Davis earlier, but he ran the floor and got a bucket. Uh, you know, had, a, had another couple nice plays. And so, you know, I think... And it was nice. He only had to play 24 minutes. And that's the other thing that really stands out. You know, when you look at the uh, at the box score, you had three Hoosiers play 24 minutes, Bryant, Blackman and Newkirk. Uh, and then uh, and Morgan played 20 minutes. But then you got 17 from Davis and, and 15 from Devontae Green. Robert Johnson only had to play 17. So it was nice to see some of those Hoosiers who obviously had to play a ton of minutes in that North Carolina game. And, and Tom Crean mentioned on the pregame show that Indiana was a little bit banged up. It wasn't just OG. There were several other guys who were banged up who had really left it all out there on the court. And so it was nice to, to see those guys, uh, you know, not have to play quite as many minutes, but uh, in terms of Thomas, your thoughts just on his overall game? Because again, you know, thought he struggled, but really, I really like to see him refocus after he got back in there. And you know, the second half, I'm not really going to put a whole lot of stock into the second half, but I liked what I saw from him in the second part of the first half. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely noticed a different focus from him coming back in. It seemed like at the rim, there were just times when he would he would almost double clutch and and give the other team a better chance to block his shot. So that was. That seemed somewhat strange to me in terms of instead of just trying to absorb the contact and get to the line, he did get there four times and, and made all four. 
so I thought, yeah, he had he had some moments that were good, but I thought there was other times where he, as you said, he seemed tentative. And even, you know, I guess you could apply tentative to, you know, some of the double clutches and other things like that close to the basket. So uh, I think when he really wanted to assert himself, he did a good job of that. Uh, hit another three and, and did well in that regard. But I thought was definitely engaged on defense. Only ended up with five rebounds, although I would have uh, probably guessed that was more. But, you know, again, I think engaged on defense and, um, you know, was was really fired up when Jerron Davis was playing well in the first half. So always good to see that from him just as the emotional leader. But I, hard to read too much into this other than uh, I think, you know, focus for him going forward will be how he's able to finish around the rim because he definitely struggled in that area tonight. Uh, a few numbers that stood out to me, you know, I came in here on the halftime report and I was a little disappointed in Indiana's offensive rebounding in the first half because they only grabbed 35 percent of their offensive rebounds. And we know that when Indiana's playing how they want to play, they're getting 45, 45 percent of their missed shots. They're turning those into offensive rebounds. And North Carolina held us to 25 percent. You know, the first half, only 35 percent. I said I really wanted to see Indiana get that number up. And boy, they did. They finished at 45.5 percent. And about eight minutes into the second half, the the total for the game was at 50%. And a lot of that had to do with Juwan Morgan. And it was really great to see Indiana attacking the offensive glass, getting back to that, because uh, they should dominate a team like this on the offensive glass. And you want to stay in that habit uh, of getting nearly 50% uh, of your misses. Uh, you know, turnover-wise, Indiana did a really good job in the first half. I think the turnover rate was 12% in the first half. It finished at 19, and I didn't check to see what it was uh, at about the you know the 10-minute mark when a lot of the starters stopped playing. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't at 19%. So I think the turnovers were better. Uh, I mean, even just 19%, sadly, is an improvement on what we've been doing all season. But I think the improvement tonight was even better than that, uh, which was nice to see. And I'll tell you, the other thing that I really liked to see was the free-throw shooting. Indiana made their first 17 uh, what did they finish for the game? They finished 20 of 23. So they went three for six after making their first 17. But, you know, th those are kind of the statistical things for me that stood out. Anything just looking at the stats for you from a team perspective uh, that stands out? I think the free throws, I think they actually hit the first 19 and went one of four in the last oh, was it really? I think they were 19 and 19 when Curtis Jones missed the, um, the first one of that. And then turnover wise, just looking it up real fast here. They had four in the last five minutes and 13 seconds. So okay. um, I would I would agree with you. I thought they really took care of the ball well. Things got a little ragged there at the end. And that, that speaks to what you you know had mentioned at the at the beginning that the you know the 23 point margin didn't really uh, tell the story. I, you know, the other thing I, this kind of goes along with what I said before. I mean, they took 22 threes out of 60 shots. Um, probably below the the percentage that they normally, you know, kind of that ratio. The free throw shooting was absolutely something that stood out to me because um, that's something we've all talked about. Now it's one of those where, well, that's great to make free throws in a game that you actually don't need them uh, to win, and it's close. But I think at least a good thing, hopefully, to uh, to build confidence for for the guys out there and uh, and turnovers, as you mentioned, I thought was good. You know, seventeen second chance points compared to five, uh, forty two points in the paint, uh, so more than half of the points coming uh, around the basket. I thought that was good and. Uh, second straight game, you know, only four fast break points. So that's six fast break points they've allowed in the last two games. So I think doing a good job in transition, uh, certainly easy on a night like tonight when you're, you know, scoring the ball well and uh, and the other teams, you know, taking the ball out of the net as opposed to uh, off another play. But again, just I think positive signs uh, from a defensive standpoint of really being able to get back and and for the most part limiting uh, easy buckets. And we can probably talk a little bit later about the defense. I thought that was the you know the only thing on the defense. There were times when dribble penetration continued to be an issue. But uh, overall, a far more good numbers than bad. And I think we've seen at times over the last few years where um, just playing an inferior opponent doesn't necessarily mean you're going to uh, you know dominate in a bunch of areas on the uh, on the stat sheet. But I thought for the the vast majority of the uh, categories that 
that that fans will look at, particularly with this team, uh, they did really well and above and beyond what they've uh, they've done earlier in the season. All right, so we got to talk a little bit more about Juwan Morgan, even though Ryan has stripped the joy uh, from that conversation, since it's also uh, giving him kudos. Uh, I want to talk about him. I want to give James Blackman Jr. some kudos uh, for for his play in the first half, and then also something underrated about our freshmen that I noticed tonight uh, that I want to talk about. We're going to get to all of that uh, here in just a second, but first, I do want to take a quick minute tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, who we're so excited to have back with us for a second season on the Assembly Call. Uh, as you have probably noticed, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of the older ticket sites really seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. That's why SeatGeek is always the first place that I go uh, when I'm looking for tickets to a game or to a concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. So basically, they do the work and you save the time and money. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and add the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-O-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 83-60 to victory over SIU Edwardsville tonight at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And Andy... I want to talk about the freshmen real quick because I think, you know, we talked about in our radio show earlier today that this was a really big opportunity for the freshmen with OG out, you know, in a game against a team in the 290s in Ken Palm that you expect to dominate and really expect to be able to spread the minutes around, which you were. You know, you thought this would be a game where Deron Davis would play more minutes, and he did with 17. And you thought Devontae Green and Curtis Jones and Grant Gillon or Galon would get in there and get more minutes, and they did. And I tell you the thing that really stood out to me, obviously, you know, Deron Davis was terrific with 14 points, had some really nice offensive rebounds. Uh, I, I thought in terms of Curtis Jones, I was really impressed with the fact that he wasn't quite as shot happy and was really content to get his offense within the flow of the offense. Uh, had seven points, three of five from the field, but I was especially impressed with his passing. Uh, and obviously he had, you know, the spectacular pass to Freddie McSwain for the alley-oop. But then a couple possessions later had a great pass to, to uh, Deron Davis uh, for a nice finish underneath. And Deron Davis had three assists. Uh, had a terrific assist late to a cutting Grant, Grant Galon. Uh, and Devontae Green also had an assist. And I think the passing, you know, passing is something that that sometimes for young guys, uh, you know, you, you don't always see. And sometimes that can take uh, a little while to come as guys get comfortable with the speed of the game, get comfortable seeing the floor. But I've been impressed. Uh, you know, I think Curtis had five or six assists in the Mississippi Valley State game. And so this is something we've seen from him a little bit more lately. But just really impressed with the passing uh, of these freshmen. Um, your thoughts kind of on that and just on their performance overall. Yeah, I mean, Deron Davis had a really good pass out of the post too for the the Bryant three early in the second half and just had a good idea. You could tell he knew exactly where he wanted to go with the ball once he got it. And I thought uh, your point about shot selection was good for them because I think Jones struggled with that a little bit, got caught up in the emotion of the game uh, against North Carolina the other night. But, you know, those guys combined were 8 of 12 from the floor. So one didn't take a lot of shots despite the fact that they played a lot of minutes. Uh, and, and obviously based on the fact they made so many, we're taking uh, quality ones at that. And so, you know, I think uh, about six assists between the 
between the three of them and and uh other than Deron Davis who had three turnovers one of which was on a terrible offensive foul call um I, I thought they all you know played really well within the flow of the offense and and it's exactly what you want to see from this you know we talked about this uh you know a lot earlier today on the on the radio show just you know these are great opportunities for these guys and I thought tonight they really took advantage of that and um played in a way that that wasn't uh, that that you, you could come into a regular as if this isn't a regular game, but into like a normal game. And if you played the way that you played tonight, you'd you'd really be doing the team a favor, as opposed to getting caught up in the you know what I can probably do whatever I want against this team, uh, and and uh, and didn't really do that. I thought so. Really played within the flow, kept the ball moving, uh, and uh, and I think it was a good good opportunity for them in game one of this three game series where they're they're going to get chances to play minutes like they did tonight and i thought uh this was a good first step to that and and hopefully performance each of the three of them can build on andy tim the thriller Priller did enter the game at about the 10 minute mark so you're forgiven if it didn't seem like a normal game it's uh it's quite all right that's true i think you called it an exhibition at some point earlier today when we were talking on the radio <laughs> I so i, I did it I, slipped I out <laughs> yeah well it's easy to think of it that way so i just wanted you to feel better by making a similar mistake Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk real quick about James Blackman Jr. Certainly his numbers are not going to jump out at you when you look at the box score, 10 points. He was only two of 10 from the field. But I thought he was really good in the first half because I thought he found a way to contribute uh, without scoring. And we haven't always seen that from him. You know, sometimes his you know willingness to play defense and his rebounding kind of ebbs and flows as his shots fall or don't fall. And I think we're seeing from him this year that I haven't felt like that at all. You know, I felt like he's been pretty locked in no matter what, because he's had some games where the shots haven't fallen. Obviously, he's had some games where they have fallen. Um, you know, but I thought tonight, again, they didn't fall, but six rebounds. And what I really like about that is Tom Crean has made a point of saying a couple times uh, recently on his on his radio show, on pregame shows, you know, how he really wants to get rebounding from the guard position. And, and you love seeing that, you know, from a guy who's supposed to be a leader, obviously a junior like Blackman is, to take what the coaches are talking about and really put it into practice. And he did it against Carolina where he, when he led Indiana in rebounds with nine, and that was a big point of emphasis. And he came out and did it again today. He had uh, five rebounds at halftime, I believe, and that led Indiana. And again, I'm not really judging these guys much on what happened in the second half because, uh, you know, Indiana came out and started the second half, uh, you know, on a 12-9 run and then a 6-4 run, so I mean, or 12-6 and then 12-9. So they really pushed the lead out at the beginning of the half, and then SIU Everettville dwindled it down after that. But I thought the guys played really well there at the beginning uh, of the second half. But I just, I continue to be impressed with the little things from James Blackman Jr., and I think that's a testament to his growth as a player uh, and to a leader. Maybe not yet as a vocal leader, you know, like we saw from Robert Johnson in the North Carolina game, but I think he's much more comfortable now as a leader by example uh, in terms of going out and executing what the coach wants, and I think he should be given credit for that because he's really come back from the injury and I think been a different guy this year. Yeah, I mean, as you said, he had five rebounds at the half. The starting guards, the three of them had 10 of values, 21 rebounds at the half, so that continues to be uh, a focus and particularly is going to be important if they play uh, the three of those guys a lot together as they did tonight and probably will uh, with with OG out, uh, but I thought, yeah, you know, he definitely did not seem to let his his shot dictate uh, how he played defensively. He did have a couple steals in the first half, and I thought generally seemed to be uh, pretty focused on that on the floor. And, that, and like I said, that was one of the things I was really watching for, not just from him, but from everybody. Of um, easy to walk into some of these games and feel like it's going to be 
uh, easy to go and outscore the opponent and not get too worried about defense. But I really thought in the first half, they forced a lot of turnovers early. Um, as I look at the overall numbers, SIU Edwardsville really didn't have hardly any turnovers in the second half, I don't think. Um, but that was something IU really early on. I mean, they had, I think, eight turnovers probably the first eight, nine, ten minutes of the game. So uh, really like to see that from them. And that was a team effort that he was a part of. So, um, yeah, good to see him him do that. And we can certainly uh, save his his makes for other games when they'll be more needed than they were tonight. Yeah, you know, and, and folks are discussing this in the chat. And by the way, you know, make sure that you join. Go to assemblycall.com slash join so you can join our free members uh, chat that goes on during our postgame show at assemblycall.com slash live. You know, in a comment, you know, I, I worry about uh, James Blackman Jr. disappearing when it matters. And, and I think that's a very valid uh, fear to have based on his first couple of years at Indiana because we certainly saw that he, you know, would seem to kind of pad his stats sometimes against the Alcorn States of the world and maybe not show up in the big tough games. But man, has that been different this year? Because he was huge against Kansas. He made some huge plays against North Carolina early and late in that game. Uh, and even the Fort Wayne loss, you know, obviously he did not have a very good game, but it certainly wasn't for lack of trying. You know, he and, and you could almost fault him for trying to do a bit too much at the end of that game. But again, just showing his growth. And we talked about how important that was going to be coming into the season, you know, for an Indiana team that needed to replace the offensive assertiveness and ability of guys like Yogi Ferrell and Troy Williams. Uh, and I think James is really showing that. Um, I'm going to get to Juwan Morgan here in a second. I do want to make one quick mention, Andy, uh, of the subject of your fan club, Robert Johnson. Uh, the most important stat to me in his entire stat line tonight is 17 minutes. Because I think he's one of the guys who left that North Carolina game a little bit banged up after really playing well. And tonight, you know, a relatively invisible game for Rojo. Five points, three assists, three boards, you know, a couple of turnovers, had a bunch of fouls early. Um, but I'm just glad he only had to play 17 minutes um, because obviously he's a guy that Indiana is going to need fresh. You know, a guy that, that tends to get a little bit banged up as you go through the season. So I'm just glad he didn't have to play uh, too much out there. And that to me, that's what matters because I think we've learned that we can trust him uh, when it counts. Yeah, I, I would agree. I thought the same thing. You know, one of the foul calls probably disagreed with a little bit in the in the first half, but um, you know, he was getting worked on multiple times in the second half of the Carolina game. I think uh, Kareen mentioned on his appearance with Dan Dockage yesterday uh, that he was that he had been banged up. So I, I would agree with you. That's a that's a pretty important number. And he did uh, okay while he was in there. You know, two of six did score five points. He handed out three assists in seventeen minutes, which was a good thing, and uh, got out of there with hopefully without getting hurt any more than he was. And similarly for Josh Newkirk, I mean, he did play 24 minutes, only had five points, but I think he had the highest plus minus again. So still getting good play out of those guards, even though um, the scoring was a little bit more uh, tilted toward the, uh, toward the front court, as we talked about earlier, but I thought both those guys still, you know, did some good things out there and uh, like everybody didn't have to play a ton of minutes to do it. Great stat for Josh Newkirk, zero turnovers. Now, he got bailed out on a couple where he was driving pretty wildly down the lane. It actually, the ball actually knocked off the SIU Edwardsville guy, but still, no turnovers in 24 minutes. Solid for Josh Newkirk. Uh, let's talk about Juwan Morgan. And yes, credit to Ryan Phillips, whose bold prediction on the radio show is that Juwan Morgan would get back to playing like Juwan Morgan. Uh, and actually, I think we might even be able to deny Ryan because, frankly, Juwan Morgan played better than Juwan Morgan tonight. Having yes, I thought the exact same thing. So I like I like that we're on the same page here. <laughs> okay. This is a fair, this is a fair point. <laughs> we found our technicality. All right. All right. You're done, Ryan, and you're not here to defend yourself. Uh, but really, I mean, Juwan, 18 points, 10 rebounds. And what was the most impressive thing to me is the ferocity with which he attacked the offensive glass, especially in the second half, because I think four of those offensive rebounds came in the second half. But, you know, look, he got back to doing, and, and, and this is where we have to give Ryan credit, he got back to, well, 
forget giving Ryan credit. Let's give Juwan credit for actually doing it. But, you know, obviously, you know, we, we've, we've been working with this positionless thing and him kind of, you know, leading the offense from out top. And we're starting to see a little bit less of that and a little bit more of him doing Juwan Morgan things, going in offensive rebounding, uh, you know, uh, taking the ball and driving assertively, you know, to the lane to score and finishing. You know, we've seen him struggle to finish. And tonight, eight for eight from the field. Uh, which, you know, part of that may just be the law of averages starting to work out in his favor because it seemed like he was missing an inordinate amount of bunnies uh, and made a three-pointer again tonight, which was great to see, and then just played really tough, aggressive defense. I mean, you know, we we thought before the season that he was going to have a breakout year. He's been a little bit up and down. Hopefully what happened tonight is a sign of things to come because this is the Juwan Morgan that I predicted would win Big Ten sixth man of the year. That's the guy that we saw tonight, and obviously he started because OG wasn't in there. Um, but this is the Juwan Morgan that Indiana needs uh, if it's going to win a Big Ten title, if it's going to compete for a deep run in March, because he just brings such a different element to this team when he's playing like he did tonight. It's hard to imagine how much I would have enjoyed this performance from him even more had it not been for Ryan's prediction, but I'll have to just... I'll have to just in my mind think about what that would have been like. Um, but I, I thought, you know, overall, it, he just played terrific. He... he uh, you know, we saw a little bit more of what he was able to do against Carolina, where he he was more apt to put the ball on the floor, not necessarily as a facilitator, uh, in the sense of you know running the offense as we've seen him do, but but more in an attacking way and and really trying to drive guys. And I think you know you saw that again, even though SIU Edwardsville not didn't have a ton of size, uh, it was a mismatch for him. And in the same way that he recognized those mismatches and took advantage of them against North Carolina on Wednesday, I thought he did the same thing tonight. And I think he's starting to figure out the balance of you know, where he needs to to score and get the ball. Uh, and, and that's something we've talked about with a lot of these guys is just trying to figure out where, you know, where to play, where their the balance of their shots needs to come from. And uh, I think over the last couple couple games, he's really done a good job of uh, being able to use his his more perimeter or uh, ball handling skills to, to be able to get to the basket in a way that isn't just facilitating offense, but it's really um, kind of attacking and creating for himself and not, and not just everybody else. Um, but I think we also know that he is a good passer and, and, and he's going to be able to get other guys involved as he's able to do that more effectively. So I thought it was uh, a terrific game. He was really relentless on the boards. Uh, as you said, he ended up with four offensive rebounds, seven total rebounds in the second half, in which I don't think he even played, probably didn't even play 10 minutes um, in, in that half. And so I thought that was, you know, played uh, yeah, seven. Yeah, he had seven rebounds in seven minutes in the second half and nine points. So not a uh, not a bad second half showing from him and just, um, you know, good to see him get that. And and again, we talk about these games building confidence for some of the younger guys. Uh, I think there's something to be said for the way it can build confidence for some of the older guys as well uh, who maybe have been struggling a little bit. And I think a, a great sign for him. And hopefully he can keep that up on Sunday. Uh, let's talk defense real quick. SIU Edwardsville finishes uh, scoring 0.89 points per possession. Again, a number that is inflated uh, because of the fact that they scored 21 points basically over the final eight minutes of the game. Um, what did you think of the defense? Because I thought in the first half, uh, I, I thought it was it was pretty good. I mean, I mean, I thought there were some sequences in the first half where SIU Edwardsville was a little bit, you know, too comfortable, uh, you know, dribbling and penetrating. But for the most part, I thought Indiana did a really nice job. And then I thought in the second half got a little bit lax. You saw them, get, you know, able to drive into the lane much, much easier. So that wasn't great to see. Um, but overall, I thought, you know, some of the growth that Indiana showed in that North Carolina game, uh, we saw some of that. And certainly I thought, you know, some of the interior defense uh, and Thomas Bryant's ability to affect shots. Like I said earlier, he had three block shots 
Uh, and, and when we continue to see Deron Davis be a guy uh, who can alter shots, only had one block, but, you know, again, played solid defense, uh, you know, altered some others. Uh, so I thought not a great defensive performance, uh, but all things considered, uh, I, I think there were some positive signs to take away. Yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag for me. I think on the one hand, you look, uh, only gave up 16 free throw attempts. Uh, SIU Edwards, I think, was top 10 in free throw rate coming in. So good for IU to keep them off the line. I think they're right around 25% uh, tonight, if my if the math in my head is correct. So I think that was a positive sign that they didn't really put them on the line. Um, didn't shoot the ball well at all. But I think the dribble penetration, which led to you know 32 points in the paint uh, on a team that doesn't really have a, a lot of big guys and a lot of size, that, that feels like... Uh, too many to me. Um, as you said, I think there were times when they really did a good job of challenging shots and um, got a number of blocks, but I thought there was other times they really struggled to contain the dribble and, and let guys get there pretty easily. So that was really um, on a night when when most things went right and most stats look good. I think that was one that stands out a little bit as, uh, I don't know that it's concerning because it's hard to tell. It would be nice to go back and look at those numbers at certain points in the game and see how much that was uh, impacted by kind of the, the garbage time element of it at the end. Uh, so, so that might be inflated a little bit, but certainly the the penetration that they allowed at times was the was really the only thing that stuck out to me defensively that uh, wasn't wasn't great. Um, but I also thought you know they played well enough defensively to really get out to a big lead and didn't give up a lot of points early. So, uh, how much of that is just you know a, a little bit of a loss of focus in a game that they really came out and and were focused to begin the game? Uh, it, it's a little bit tough to say. That that's really the only. So I think our gripes are are the same on that, but. Uh, hard to read a ton into it, I guess. All right, we've gone and buried the lead because obviously we haven't dissected the night that was for Tim the Thriller Priller yet. Uh, so we need to talk about that. And I have a, a quick, simple coaching tip for Zach McRoberts that I think will make him even more effective in the minutes that he gets. And we're going to get to that here in just a second. Uh, I do want to take a quick minute. I mentioned earlier, uh, going to assemblycall.com slash join, uh, getting your free membership so that you can participate in our live chat. And I want to just take a couple minutes here and tell you why you should activate your free membership because there's three reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy because you can go to assemblycall.com slash join and it takes you like 15 seconds to sign up. Uh, and again, it's free. And plus, it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you'll receive our Six Banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup, as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails. And actually, because this game tonight is a Friday night and tomorrow is Saturday, those two will be combined for you tomorrow morning in one giant, awesome, mega IU Hoops email, which we only do that uh, to our, our email subscribers and our members. So you have to be on the list to get it. And then also, it's just how you connect with us and how you connect with the community. We have a great uh, moderated free members forum, plus our moderated live chat, and we'd love to see that continue to grow. Uh, and we want you to be in there conversing. So if you like what you hear on the assembly call, then becoming a member is the next logical step, and we hope that you will join us for free over at assemblycall.com slash join. All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms. We are breaking down Indiana's 83-60 victory over SIU Edwardsville. Uh, and before we get to Tim Priller, uh, Andy, obviously we have to talk about him, I want to discuss Zach McRoberts real quick. Uh, because again, you know, he was able to get in there for 13 minutes. I thought he was effective as you expect him to be. You know, he's never going to go out there and make a big boneheaded mistake. Uh, and he actually, you know, got himself in the stat sheet a little bit more than normal tonight. Three points, a couple of assists, a rebound, a steal, uh, and just makes smart, heady plays uh, when he's out there, which is why Tom Crean feels comfortable putting him out there and referred to him a couple of pregame shows ago with Fish as one of Indiana's seven starters. That's how, you know, Crean kind of has this way of, of, thinking of six or seven guys as quote-unquote starters, and he puts Zach McRoberts into that category. 
and, and, and frankly, if you remember back, uh, I thought about actually using this for, for the banner moment for a while. You know, Indiana really struggling offensively. Who was it that got Indiana off the schneid? Zach McRoberts knocking down a three. And it was nice to see him step up and confidently make that shot. And, and that shot reinforced for me a point that I made a couple games ago, and I'm going to make it again right now, which is that Zach needs to present himself as a threat on offense. If you watch him, he gets the ball and he gets rid of it as quick as he can, like it's a hot potato. I mean, literally, he will receive the ball and without even taking it and triple threading or looking at the basket, he's already looking for who he's going to pass it to. And he tries to get rid of it as, as quickly as possible. And Indiana wants to move the ball with the pass, and there's sometimes when you want to make a quick pass, but I feel like it undermines his ability to be a productive member of the offense because he's not even presenting himself as a threat. And defenses, you know, they may not respect him, number one, just because he's not high up on the scouting report. But if he doesn't even show that he's going to look at the basket or look to drive, then they certainly don't need to to respect him. And I think what he's shown is flashes of skill, making that three, you know, making some nice passes. He had a couple of assists, as I said. He's got some skills and the ability to do some things. I would just like to see him slow down a tick, gather himself when he receives the pass and make the defense respect him for that split second so that they can't just automatically refocus on, you know, where they're going to go and, and get kind of that half step advantage, you know, playing help side defense or whatever it is they're doing. So that to me is kind of the next step for Zach McRoberts. Uh, if he's going to continue to get these minutes, especially in bigger games, he needs to present himself as a threat out there on offense so that it's not basically Indiana playing four on five uh, when he's doing that. Uh, your thoughts on that point and then just Zach's contributions overall. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I would agree with that. I think um, Alex Bozich said something on Twitter about that. It, there was a, a play he was just wide open on the wing. And as you said, you know, passed it so quick, he didn't really even look uh, at the basket. And so, it, which was odd to me because he came in cold off the bench and, and didn't hesitate to shoot the one that he made. So um, a little bit strange in that regard. I think, you know, certainly has shown some ability over the course of these last few games to, you know, make threes and things like that. And so, yeah, I, I would agree with you just trying to make the defense respond. But I, I also think... Uh, he becomes somewhat of a, a stabilizing force. You know, he was the guy that Crean went to first off the bench. Uh, and I think just to, you know, kind of settle guys down, you know, he had, you know, understands his role very well. And even if you kind of look at some kind of ratio of plus minus to minutes played, he was, he played 13 minutes and they were plus 12 when he was on the court. So uh, I, I think, you know, continues to be a positive factor, had two assists uh, in his time out there. And, and part of that speaks to him just, you know, being able to move the ball. But um, I would, I would agree with you that he could, uh, he could do some things there. A couple couple quick things I saw on Twitter for about Juwan Morgan uh, to circle back to that. Um, Jeremy Price, Juwan Morgan getting an offensive rhythm. Just mentally, I've been thinking too much about shooting. Uh, and that certainly got easier for him tonight as he, he you know got a lot of easy looks around the basket and, and some putbacks. And then the other was uh, Teddy Bailey. Morgan on OG, when somebody goes down, we all have to step up. Collectively, we all have to do that for him. I think one of the things that Kareen has, you know, preached from a leadership standpoint is, you know, really playing for one another and, and hold, having that accountability for one another. So um, while those are uh, words in, in the sense of the post game, I think his actions tonight back that up. So I think a, a good sign, hopefully, in that regard from a leadership perspective. Well, and we've talked so much about leadership and he, to me, has always seemed like one of the most obvious candidates to step in and fill that role. And I know it can be a little bit tough when you're only a sophomore, but, you know, considering there's no seniors out there playing and it's not like James Blackman Jr. and Robert Johnson are the most natural leaders 
Juwan, of all the guys on our team, seems to have the most natural leadership ability. And I think maybe it's been a little bit hard for him because he struggled a little bit. Because um, obviously it, it helps to lead when you're playing well and you're feeling comfortable. And if you're worried about your own game, it's a little bit harder to, uh, you know, to be focused on everybody else sometimes. And so hopefully this is the kind of game that builds that momentum for him, not just, you know, producing in the box score, but also his ability to lead. Because, you know, the comments that you just made, those are the comments of a leader. And that's great to see. Uh, from Juwan, who's just going to continue to be a more and more important part of this team as the season moves forward. Uh, okay, we have to talk about Tim Priller real quick, Andy, because we don't get the opportunity to very much on this show. But this is a night when, you know, he got six minutes of action. He was in there at the nine and a half minute mark, did get four rebounds. Uh, and, and look, we talked about this a little bit on our radio show and I brought it up and you guys laughed at me a little bit. And I get the last laugh because Tim did get in there. But my point was, you know, look, Tim Priller is on scholarship and he's a guy who's six nine, six ten. You know, and he certainly has to have some skill to still be on the team to have gotten a scholarship. And the way I looked at it, you know, you got a guy in OG who's 6'8", who goes down. Hartman's already out. You know, we're depleting our front court depth. Now we have Thomas, Deron Davis, Juwan Morgan. You know, at what point can we say, hey, maybe Tim Priller comes in for four or five minutes and plays? And I know that seems kind of ridiculous because when he gets in there, it's more of a sideshow than anything. And that's not necessarily his fault. It's just this narrative that has run amok. And, you know, so he got in there tonight. And I think like he always does, he hustles, he plays hard, he got some rebounds. Uh, and it was nice to see. And, you know, maybe he is never a guy who in a game against a team that's higher than 290th in Ken Palm is able to get in there. Um, but but I do think, and I want to see if you agree, isn't it fair to start expecting that now as he is in his junior year? I don't think it's ridiculous to say you've got a 6'9 guy on the bench. You know, why isn't he able to get some, you know, some serious minutes? You know, if, if you have these two, uh, you know, two guys in your front court who are out, that seems like a reasonable thing to expect for me, uh, you know, for us as fans, for a guy who's on scholarship. And I don't know if we'll get there, but, you know, at least when he got in there tonight, he was able to do some things with his minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think from an expectation standpoint, that's probably fair. I think from a usage standpoint, I, I would struggle to believe that he's going to be used any differently than uh, what he has been so far. But, I, you know, tonight he certainly, you know, was running, uh, you know, running the floor hard and, and did a good job and four rebounds and a block shot. So uh, certainly was playing hard. And for as much as I am the... Uh, chairman of the Robert Johnson fan club. I think uh, Homer Drew has firmly entrenched himself as the, uh, as the Tim Priller fan club, fan club chair at this point. Um, I'm not sure. I think he would have jumped over the scores table if he had, uh, if, he had <laughs> if he had scored and just run out and given him a hug. I don't really know, but uh, that was, yeah, that was an interesting storyline for the last nine minutes. Listening to Homer Drew just fill time with the, uh, you know, Tim, the thriller. <laughs> I know. I instead love of, instead of actually using instead of actually using like the part of his name that rhymed, he kept calling him like Tim the Thriller. It was like you can't just say like Thriller Priller or like any of that together. He used well, there, the there was an evolution he, because he called him Tim the Thriller, and then it was uh, Prilla the Thriller, and then it was just straight Tim Thriller. Like he just he just straight up removed <laughs> the last name, just went with Tim Thriller. It was it, it was an excellent little subplot that made the final ten minutes of the game uh, entertaining. That was the only thing that really, I mean, that and the fact that I had to do the show was really the only thing that kept me hanging on during those last uh, last few minutes. So we talked we talked with Alex earlier in the week about how uh, how we do post-game shows like this. This was one, after games like this, this was one way that you have to find ways to entertain yourself about what's going on on the court. So that, well, was, yeah, that was a good way. I will say, I mean, we've all kind of been dreading this three-game stretch, you know, just knowing, you know, obviously two and three days and, and, and the competition not very good. But I'll tell you, you know, the injury to OG has made these games a little bit more interesting. 
Um, you know, then that's kind of what you look for in games like this is just what are kind of the storylines? What are the things to follow? Um, and it was just, you know, and, and, and I think seeing, okay, Indiana has the big win against North Carolina. What's the maturity level of this team? The, the important lesson that needed to be learned after the Fort Wayne game was that learned. And I think what you saw from Indiana after struggling for the first three or four minutes and, and digging in even harder, playing even better after that for the final 16 minutes of the first half, it was quite, uh, quite clear um, that, uh, that, that the lesson that needed to be learned was learned. Um, and that's, that was good to see. So, I, hey, I mean, I use got three games in the next three weeks against teams from the Ohio Valley. So you got to set the tone in the first one if you're really going to make a run at uh, at that OVC championship. So that was tonight was a good first step to that. That is right. That is right. Um, let's look ahead real quick. Uh, Sunday, Indiana plays Southeast Missouri State is the first one, right? And then Houston Baptist is next week, I believe. What um can you give us any insight on Southeast Missouri State real quick that we should look that we should look for? Is there anything worth noting about them? Uh, I mean, just in in kind of looking over the stats on uh, on Ken Palm, one thing we talked about rebounding tonight. They're twenty uh, seventh in uh, in defensive rebounding percentage, so that'll be an area to to watch for, which is fairly impressive because they're in a similar way to uh, SIU Edwardsville tonight. They don't have a lot of size. I think when I looked earlier, they don't really have a rotation guy over six seven. Um, so those were those are things, and and I guess something to look at is defensively they're seventy second in turnover rate for so um, that'll be something to watch for as it always is something to watch for with IU, but uh, they don't they haven't really shot the ball all that well, particularly from two point range. Um, not a lot of great numbers on the offensive end from them, and and they have allowed some pretty gaudy. Uh, they're two hundred eighty fifth or worst against both two point and three point uh, three point shots. Got a couple guys that are two leading scorers are both seniors, um, so I think that that helps a little bit as you, you just start to look at you know more. Obviously, they may not have a ton of experience playing at a place like Assembly Hall, but um, at least having some experienced players will uh, potentially help stabilize them a little bit. But I think they're picked to finish right around the same place uh, as uh, SIU Edwardsville in the in the Ohio Valley. They're in the same division there, so um, I, I don't know. Not too much to watch for. I think the rebounding and turnovers. I guess if you're looking statistically, will be. Um, interesting just to see how IU can do there because one is an area where they have excelled um, and it's kind of a, at least from a numbers standpoint, a strength on strength uh, and the other an issue or an area where they've had trouble with in terms of turnover. So uh, will be one that hopefully we see what, what they were able to do early in the game uh, tonight where they really did a great job of taking care of the basketball, particularly in the first half. You know, it's interesting. Let's have a little fun with Ken Palm numbers here. We kind of, and let me just ask you, Andy pop quiz, who has the highest offensive rating on Indiana after tonight's game? Oh boy! Uh, I well, I have the page up, so uh, this is a real test of my uh, my integrity to not scroll down and actually look at the answer to this question. Um, I, what Robert Johnson was pretty close to it. Um, he was. I, he's I, I bet it's uh, I bet it's Jerron Davis. No, it's Jerron Morgan. Dang it! Actually, and Jerron Davis is second. He's at one twenty six point eight, and he's actually moved himself uh, up into the significant contributor. Uh, category because he's now using 22% of possessions. But Juwan, you know, which is just interesting for perspective. And I don't recall how much that I don't know what it was before the game. But, you know, we talk about how much he's been struggling. But, you know, he goes out, has one good game and he's, you know, leading Indiana in offensive rating. Uh, he his offensive rebounding percentage is 14.9%, which is 41st in the country, just outstanding. And he's ranked in defensive rebounding percentage as well. Uh, and he's doing a terrific job. He has the lowest turnover rate on the team. He's one of three guys uh, who has a block rate of, of 3.9 or greater. Shooting well from the free throw line, obviously an eight for eight from the field is going to improve your two-point percentage. Um, but I think, I think it just goes to show, A, 
well, <laughs> A, it shows, you know, kind of small sample sizes and maybe, you know, the folly of looking at numbers after five games and how much can change after one game, but also just perspective because Juwan probably wasn't as playing quite as bad as it felt. It's just that our expectations coming into the season w- w- with kind of where the hype went and what we had seen of him in those exhibition games, you know, it made our expectations so high. And I think tonight what was great is he lived up to all of those and it was nice to see. Um, but yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised when I saw that, that he's the leader in offensive rating. And obviously, Indiana has a lot of guys ranked highly in offensive rating. Um, but Juwan's sitting there at the top, which is, uh, which is impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, breaking news, not missing a shot, really good for your uh, efficiency rating. <laughs> that was a much quicker way to say what I just said. Um, hey, there's one guy that we didn't talk about, and we're going to talk about him real quick before we get to our last call. Um, and also, before we get to the last call, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the Assembly Call is by ordering your official Assembly Call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. Go to HoosierProud.com and check out their selection of unique, stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. And don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off. That works for our Assembly Call logo t-shirts and anything else that you buy. Again, the URL is HoosierProud.com. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 83-60 to 60 victory over SIU Edwardsville. Uh, Andy, the one guy you know who, who played uh, a few minutes that we didn't mention is Freddie McSwain, the birthday boy. It is his birthday today. Happy birthday to Freddie McSwain. Uh, had a just that a, a tremendous alley-oop. This is the second straight game that Indiana's had a, a huge highlight reel alley-oop on that great pass from Curtis Jones. But what I liked about what Freddie did, um, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know what his numbers ended up as. But again, I'm not too worried about when it was all the backups in there. What I liked was when he was in there with starters, Freddie did what he needs to do, which is not be a guy who uses a lot of possessions, not a guy who takes a lot of shots, but a guy who gets rebounds, you know, gets his offense through putbacks and hustles. And he did that because I know at one point I looked and he had four points on only one field goal attempt. He also made a couple of free throws, you know, had three rebounds, was out there hustling. That's what you want to see from him because he's, you know, he's the other guy now with OG out, you know, and if OG has to be out for an extended period of time, is Freddie McSwain a guy who can come in and give you five or six minutes a game? And if he's out there chucking up shots, like the one game where he took nine shots, he's not going to be able to do that. But I thought tonight played much more within himself. And if he will play like he did tonight, he is a guy to me that can go out there and give you a couple minutes in a sprint to give a guy a break, you know, maybe before a TV timeout, something like that, um, and, and can be useful, which would be a really nice development as, you know, once we get into Big Ten play. Yeah, I mean, he he really did a little bit of everything. Four points, three rebounds, uh, a block and a steal and a and couple turnovers in his time on the court. So I thought he, uh, yeah, definitely played more under control. And even when we saw one of those games earlier in the year when they were playing a, a lesser opponent and he just, you know, took the opportunity and took a bunch of shots. I mean, he did take a three late, but uh, I thought overall did a, did a much better job of, of trying to do those little things. And again, it's like you, you want to, if you want to treat this game like a practice in some regard, you want to practice how you, how you want somebody to play. Uh, and I thought, you know, the way he played tonight is a way that he can be effective in those short spurts um, for IU as he, you know, gets one, gets some of the rust off from, um, you know, not being able to do as much uh, conditioning wise in the offseason. First, just getting on campus late. Second, with the uh, the knee surgery. So I think, you know, for him to be able to shake some of that off uh, while also, you know, getting used to playing with the guys and uh, and doing some things there. I, I thought it was a, a good outing for him on his birthday. So can't uh, can't complain about that. One more number, by the way, on Ken Palm that jumps out to me, especially when you compare it to last year's team is if you look at this year, 
there's only one guy who's considered a quote-unquote major contributor, as Ken Pomeroy denotes that, which is a guy who uses 24 to 28% of possessions. Do you know who the, the only guy is on Indiana's roster who uses more than 24% of possessions? I, I would have there? actually. I, I did scroll down as you were talking about this, but I, I think I would have known because he's been up there for the last few games because <laughs> of that one game that I mentioned where he took a bunch of shots. So, yeah, Freddie, Freddie is still that guy, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but probably worked his way down a little bit uh, after tonight's game. Yeah, we have Freddie using 26.6% of possessions. But here's the thing. Indiana then has five guys in that significant contributor category using between 20 to 24. Thomas Bryant, James Blackman, Robert Johnson, Curtis Jones, Deron Davis. No one lower than 20.9%. No one higher than 23.7%. And you look at that compared to last year when Yogi Ferrell used almost 25% of possessions. Troy Williams used 26.3% of possessions. James Blackman Jr., before he got hurt, was using 27% of possessions. And we should probably define what that means, Andy, but using uh, possessions, it, what is the actual definition of that? I mean, it's basically how many possessions you use that end in a shot or that basically end in, in you using that possession. A, a made shot, um, a missed shot that doesn't result in an offensive rebound or a turnover, right? Turnover. Yeah, I believe so. I'm not sure how... Um... I'm trying to think how assists actually like factor into that. They may not factor into it at all. I'm not. I'm not sure. I need to get to the Ken Palm glossary here somewhere. But uh, uh, yeah, the the things that you mentioned are the are the big ones. Yeah, and 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 what's interesting about that, you know, is last year Indiana was a team that was so dominated by Yogi and Troy when they were out there on the court. You know, Robert Johnson only used 17 percent of possessions last year. This year he's using 21 percent of possessions, and I think in a way. You know, look, th there's an upside and a downside because I think you probably are able to pull out that Fort Wayne game if you have guys like Yogi and Troy who can just kind of take over, go get you buckets when everything else is struggling. Indiana wasn't able to do that that night. But I think maybe you're better equipped to beat Kansas and North Carolina when you have such a balanced attack and where you don't know where it's going to come from. Do you buy that at all? I mean, I feel like that may be because there's a clear difference, you know, in the balance of this year's team and last year's team. Um, and I'm just I'm wondering if that has something to do with with Indiana's ability to win these big games. Well, it was interesting. I mean, that was one of the things that really stood out to me against North Carolina was that, you know, that, that so many guys had played well and contributed. I think um, there is the flip side of that, where I think some people still have questions about when you really need to go get a bucket. Who's that guy? And that was uh, certainly easier to understand uh, last year than it than it would have been this year. So it's it's kind well, of a Blackman, double edged. Blackman's done it twice now. He I has mean, he, he has Kansas done it. Like Carolina. It, yeah, if anybody's been that guy, then it's it's most certainly him. Um, but I do think you know. Then there was the, the Fort Wayne game where people would would probably argue, um, you know, he tried to do too much and and really kind of overdid it and and things like that. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at that. I don't view it as a bad thing. I, I think again, roles. Uh, as the season goes on, we'll sort themselves out. I think you're absolutely right that, you know, if you had to pick somebody right now and and you had to to guess who was going to go out and take a big shot, if, you know, coming out of a timeout at the end of a game, I think we would all uh, assume that would be James Blackman. And that probably is how it will shake out over the course of the season. But um, I, I think as long as they have that, it, it really keeps defenses on their heels in, in terms of, you know, knowing who to uh, who to really try to shut down. And so if they can continue that, I think that's a good thing. Shows good balance overall. And because guys have different skill sets that are in that, um, you know, in that group of players, it uh, doesn't really allow the defense to focus not only on one guy, but on one part of the court uh, that they're they're really trying to stop. Yep. All right, Andy. Well, a, uh, a nice win for Indiana, 83 to 60. Um, obviously, again, in games like this, you just don't want to get anybody hurt. You want to get your starters rest. Indiana was able to do that. Uh, so let's, uh, let's wrap things up. Any, uh, any final thoughts for last call? Uh, you know, I, I think 
just was impressed that they came out and, and really seemed focused early on. Uh, would certainly have been easy with a quick turnaround after a big game uh, to lose some of that focus. And I think that you know you could make the argument that, that happened in some of the some of the lower games earlier this year, and certainly in the Fort Wayne game. And so uh, it, we talked about after that game, it's all about you know that game will be that loss will be as valuable as what this team seems to learn from it and so far uh both based on how they played against North Carolina and how they played tonight uh I think they they seem to have learned some lessons from that and uh we can only hope that that continues on Sunday with another another quick turnaround um but after that it'll give them a little bit of a break cuz I think it's not till the following Saturday that they play so it's kind of a had this you know slog of games this week um but I think get through this one get them a little rest as I think finals will probably be uh, cropping up there on campus, but uh, a good a good start to this next kind of mini three game stretch as we've talked about this season as kind of these big games interspersed with stretches of uh, of games against lesser competition. So I think all the things that we would have said we wanted to get out of this game tonight, uh, they did with a win. Uh, guys not playing a ton of minutes and some of the uh, some of the newcomers being able to get a lot of time on the court. So uh, in that regard, I think a victory in more ways than one. Yeah, it's been a lot of games in a short period of time for Indiana. But, you know, as we sit here now, Indiana doesn't play another weekday game until Monday, December 19th, when they take on Delaware State. So uh, obviously Sunday against Southwest Missouri State, a game that starts at four Eastern, by the way. I know early schedules had that as a six o'clock start, but it's going to be at four Eastern uh, because it's going to be on ESPN, two. And then Houston Baptist uh, on Saturday, the 10th, and then another week off and Butler on the 17th. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, if OG Ananobi is ready. Uh, and we kind of forgot to mention this, so I'll just I'll use this for my last call. But listening to uh, Tom Crean on with Fish and, and Fish kind of relaying some comments from OG and then just kind of what people said watching him move around with the boot, uh, I feel a little bit better. Now, none of us know, you know exactly when he's going to be back, but I'm not quite as pessimistic that, you know, because to me, I was kind of just expecting that he was going to be out for the Butler game uh, based on, you know, seeing him go down and how much trouble he had walking last night. Um, but it's seen, you know, I know he told Fish, hey, I want to play this weekend. And Fish said, you know, that's 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 probably not going to happen. Um, but, you know, Crane sounded pretty optimistic. So we'll see. There's there's certainly no reason uh, for him to play before that Butler game uh, on the 17th. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, Indiana was a much, much different team with him playing at about 10% of his normal self against Fort Wayne. Uh, and that, to me, was the other nice takeaway from tonight is that Indiana looked like itself without OG. Now, again, you, know, you got to make the caveat of the level of competition. Um, but, you know, as Juwan Morgan said, you know, or Tom Crean said about Juwan Morgan, you know, he was out there rebounding for two guys tonight. That's what you got to do when guys are out. You got to step up. And I thought, you know, starters played well. Guys came in off the bench uh, and played better in their roles. That's exactly what you have to do. So an encouraging night for Indiana. Uh, a great way to put a, another good performance right back to back with that excellent win over North Carolina. Now we'll see if they can do it again on Sunday against Southeast Missouri State. Uh, we will be here, as we always are, with another episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. We hope you will join us. So have a great weekend. Until then, and we'll talk to you after IU Southeast Missouri State. Go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. 
You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.